Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to The Men of Valor Program. Today, Randy, we're uh, faced with uh, moving on to a new series that I'd like to uh, initiate. Uh, it's going to be a shorter series, uh, and uh, the title of it is The Journey of Recovery. The Journey of Recovery. It has a ring to it. I like it. Well, as long as we all like it. Uh, but it is related to one of our most frequently asked questions uh, when when people come here and they're initiating their uh, recovery journey around sexual sin and sexual addiction. Uh, the 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 question really is: How long is it going to take me to uh, get free of this? Uh, how long is it going to take my wife to trust me again? I mean, there's all kind of related questions, but it's really all about uh, how people change, how people uh, go on the journey, both as individuals and also uh, as a couple. And uh, there's been some actual uh, research about this that, you know, I'll be kind of referring to along the way. But uh, basically, I want to talk about the the idea that I think is a very basic and uh, an essential Christian idea that our, our Christian walk with the Lord is, in fact, a journey. And uh, it's a journey to grow ever closer to him. And... Uh, I think we need to see it as a journey, because sometimes people tend to think that uh, there's a beginning and an end, there's a, there's a final destination, there's, um, and, and we should get there, like, uh, overnight. Well, it's a hurry up and get well. That's right. And, and uh, that's really hard uh, to, uh, you know, to try to imagine. You know, I can see the powerfulness uh, of such a, a series, because I'm sure that I'm not surprised to hear that it's one of the most commonly asked questions, mm. uh, because by the time that an individual has been devastated by uh, sexual sin, uh, they have identified the need to make this change in their life, right. their need to um, reestablish a healthy and intimate marriage, right. you know, and yet at the same time, uh, there's such an uneasiness of experiencing that pain that you want the pain over as you soon as possible. Yeah, please yeah. make this go away. Yeah. And uh, I would really like to uh, uh, ground this in uh, one of my favorite stories since I was a boy, uh, and that is the story of the exodus of the uh, Jewish people out of bondage or slavery in Egypt. And uh, I'd like to make some um, parallels between that experience and what we go through when we're in recovery for, let's just say, any addiction or any right, problem. Right. Okay. One of the first things to think about, I think, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more extensively in terms of biblical background than I uh, sometimes do on the show, but... Um, one of the questions we need to ask is how did the Egypt uh, how did the the Jews get into Egyptian slavery in the first place? Mm-hmm. And we know that that goes back to the story of uh, Joseph and uh, you know how you know we all know the story of the sibling rivalry and his brothers selling him into slavery and he wound up in 
slavery down in Egypt. And, you know, we know the story of how he eventually interpreted dreams, including Pharaoh's, and wound up second in command um, of uh, Pharaoh. And as a result of one of his dream interpretations, uh, predicted a famine in the land and uh, made provision for that. So that's kind of part of the background. So the parallel there is, I think, that how did the Jews get down to Egypt in the first place? Uh, they came looking for food. And uh, we, we have that great story of uh, the very brothers who had sold uh, uh, their own brother into slavery now coming on, you know, uh, on their knees you know, in front of their brother uh, to get food. Otherwise, they were going to starve to death. And uh, the parallel there to me is that addiction uh, starts... Uh, when we are when we are hungry, when we are needy, uh, when we go searching for something to uh, fill our hunger, and uh, I think we all need to remember that uh, one of the root causes of addiction is because we are lonely, we are isolated, uh, we uh, we don't have the resources that we need, and at times we go perhaps even looking in the wrong places you know, to get some of those needs met. But that's, that's how the whole situation starts. And, of course, we know that the Jews, a lot of them moved down to Egypt. It was a friendlier time then. And then, of course, the Bible tells us eventually there was a, a pharaoh who did not uh, remember Joseph, <clears throat> and the Jews were getting too uh, uh, numerous, and so the pharaoh decided to um, you know, turn them all into slaves. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I think, is... is a really great picture of uh, the uh, spiritual warfare that's out there that um, we can take uh, something that was a legitimate need in the first place, and if we go looking in the wrong places, uh, and then Satan gets involved in this, uh, it's, it's going to turn into a bondage. And that's what addiction is really all about. It's bondage. So... Are you with me so far? Yeah, so far I'm I'm uh, I'm locked into the story. I was uh, waiting to hear what comes next because, as we have talked about in the past, mm-hmm. we know that Satan is a liar. Yeah, and right. and and we right. know that that uh, our destruction and, of course, our alienation from from God is uh, is number one in His heart right. uh, is to cause that to happen. That's right. So um, now we're going to look at the fact that uh, the Jews had been in captivity for you know, several hundred years by the time uh, the the change or the journey of the exodus, the journey of recovery, is really going to start. Uh, and, of course, uh, one of the things that I think all of uh, us that have needed to make these changes and come out of bondage, come out of slavery, come out of addiction, you know, we have to look at is, you know, how long were we in slavery in the first place? Because, you know, what what is true is that uh, sometimes... The changes that we're going to need to make are hard to make because slavery has become normal. And that's one of the, the concepts that I wanted to try to emphasize in this first show is that sometimes change is hard because slavery has become normal. We don't know any different. Uh, we, we, we have had the status quo, so to speak, of medicating ourselves or uh, searching for false idols. We, we have uh, practiced lifestyles that, in a way, in other words, um, uh, they have become what's normal for us. And 
There are people who would rather exist with normal or the status quo, even if it's killing them, then they would make the changes necessary to get well. As I'm hearing you explain that, it mm-hmm. it makes me think of every form of addiction. Every form of addiction. Every form of addiction, right. Right. Uh, it is just so much easier to stick with the norm. And whether the norm be someone's uh, alcoholic tendencies right. or sexual addiction tendis- tendencies, right. uh, it just would take an enormous amount of work in the eyes of the person living that life to stop what they're doing. And, and to change their life. Right. So I think one of the first elements of change, uh, when we know we're going to come out of bondage or we have the opportunity, is that uh, God will send somehow, some way, uh, an opportunity, a messenger, uh, new information. And uh, we call it new information, meaning that uh, uh, we might not even been aware that what we were struggling with is, in fact, an addiction. Um, that was certainly true for me when... Um, I know that one of my own clients uh, brought in to my office uh, the very first book written about sexual addiction, and at that point in time, I hadn't heard the term. Now, I was struggling with sexual addiction. I, I was in bondage. I was a slave to my own sexual sin, but I didn't necessarily have a word for it. I just knew that this was you know, part of my life and had been you know, ever since I was about uh, 11 years old. So um, what, I, what I'm trying to teach here is that there are times when God will choose to intervene, and sometimes that is going to appear to us to be rather inconvenient. You know, with, there's, a, there's a consequence. There's a, there's a discovery of some sort. Um, there's an explosion of information that, that gets us into all kind of trouble. Um, I would like to uh, uh, have the listeners know that that, that can be understood or reframed uh, as a way that God, in fact, has chosen to intervene on the slavery that's in our life. And because of that, we should look at it as an opportunity to now go on the journey of recovery. The way that you have created this vision from the words you've just shared with us, um, it, it, to me, made it so on target. As I think of the 35 men that are going to walk in our front door tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. uh, for our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshop, uh, being prisoners in bondage is the perfect way to term the shame and the, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that that is on their shoulders and visible to the eye Mm -hmm. that's looking for it. Um, I think that's the perfect way to put that. So Mm -hmm. uh, to draw that correlation between um, being a prisoner, being in bondage, being at at the mercy uh, of of the stronghold on you is very much like the men who – well, it's funny. As you're describing the word addiction, that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks of the men who call here asking questions about the workshop because they don't want to Mm -hmm. accept that – uh, that term, label. That yeah. label. Yeah. They are petrified at being labeled sex addict. Right. right you know? Right. And we kind of go out of our way uh, on the website uh, saying that don't get hung up on the word addiction. Right. You know, the word addiction, and you will say this much better than I, but it's, you know, it's any action that you continue to do that has uh, negative or destructive Uh, repercussions in your life, and you're unable to stop. You're unable to stop. So um, that 
sometimes is referred to, believe it or not, as, uh, this is one of my favorite terms, the tyranny of the normal. So in other words, they don't even know in some cases that they are in as much bondage as they are. And uh, the shame that they're feeling that you're describing uh, is something that they, they just don't want to accept. But I am just saying, journeys uh, to get closer to God's will always begin with some kind of divine intervention. They, they begin with, with God exposing the truth, uh, God exposing the lies that some of us still believe. And uh, we should be thankful for that rather than uh, you know, uh, just being completely frightened by it. But we'll see in the story of the Jews that they are, even though God is intervening, you know, they are completely frightened by it. Well, that's a great jump start to this new series. Um, why don't we take our break right now? And when we come back, we will share a very relevant uh, trigger of the week and continue with this same journey that you have uh, introduced to us. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week is based on, um, as it sometimes is, the timing of the year. We're uh, moving here this week as we're recording this show into March Madness, so the basketball tournament and uh, so forth. And we did do some uh, surveying of uh, some of our men, and one of the one of the triggers that they came up with that they were noticing on the game broadcasts of these various basketball games is that there is sometimes particular time and attention paid to the usually very attractive female uh, sideline reporter. That's right. And uh, uh, special camera angles, special this or that, special attention paid. And uh, uh, for some of the men, obviously, um, the attractive nature of this person uh, can be a trigger. Well, and for some men who uh, have no boundaries, some take it to an extreme uh, level in which uh, one gentleman was just found guilty in court 
of uh, tampering right. with peepholes and right. uh, and filming and all kinds of things. So uh, it's a relevant trigger because it's that time of year, uh, as guys especially, mm-hmm. although men and women alike uh, enjoy March Madness, uh, there is a big emphasis on camera angles and attire mm-hmm. of, uh, of broadcasters. And I can see that being a trigger that we're going to want the men to be aware of and on the lookout for mm-hmm. uh, to not be trapped. Well, yeah, and we're going to go into a period of time here where we're probably going to be watching, at least uh, some of us, a fair amount of basketball. All right, so that is this week's trigger. Um, let's return back to the journey, uh, the journey of recovery. And uh, uh, we're, we're accepting the fact that uh, God has made some kind of intervention in our life. God has uh, exposed uh, us and exposed the lie. So now we're kind of sitting at day zero of uh, the journey of recovery, and uh, what do we do? Uh, in the, the story of the Jews that we've been referring to, we know that God sent what? He, he sent uh, Moses and uh, intervened, in fact, on Pharaoh. Uh, one of the things that I in, uh, you know, really find fascinating about this story is about how um, uh, tyrannizing uh, the status quo, the, the status of slavery can be. Because uh, what happens in the story is uh, Pharaoh finally uh, uh, relents and uh, lets the people go, and they start marching you know, toward the promised land, and they get to this uh, body of water, and they're standing on the edge of uh, you know, the Red Sea, and uh, they're looking out over this expanse of, of, uh, of uh, Im- impassable uh, water, and they can hear the hoofbeats of uh, Pharaoh, who's changed his mind and, and has come chasing after them. And uh, what do they want to do at that point? You know, after having seen the intervention of God a number of times in Egypt, uh, uh, do they have faith at this point? Uh, no, they don't. They they basically, some of them say, you know, let's just lay down uh, and let's go back to Egypt. Uh, and I think that's uh, part of the the tyranny of the slavery and the bondage of addiction. Sometimes I think to some it seems so much, in a way, easier to go back to what we've known uh, for so many years. So it's going to take a lot of faith uh, to know that God can can part the waters and take us on the next leg of the journey. And I've often wondered, as I think about the the parallel to the story. Uh, here we have a body of water, and uh, uh, what is that comparable to in terms of uh, what we're facing? And uh, I, I think about it in terms of uh, the tears that is going to be required. Uh, recovery requires a lot of uh, sadness. It, requi- it requires uh, getting in touch with our sorrow, getting in touch with our deep grief about things that happen to us, things that we have done, things that we have done to others. And there's going to be a lot of um, emotions that we have to face into. And so that is uh, the parallel that I draw. To take the next stage of the journey, to, you know, to escape the uh, land of slavery and to go on the journey, we're going to have to face into a lot of emotions, and we have to have the faith that God is going to walk with us in that and support us in that and never cause us to face into anything that we 
don't have the resources to deal with. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Uh, as you approach uh, your 29th anniversary yeah. of sobriety uh, later this month, uh, do you recall that moment? Yes, I do. Uh, it uh, occurred really at a number of times uh, in the treatment process where, uh, whether it was at the treatment center and the counseling center later on, uh, I knew I faced into very painful memories, very painful life experiences, um, a lot of deep grieving around some things that I was not able to get when I was growing up. And uh, yes, I, I, I can remember actually a number of moments when uh, uh, I just, you know, really sought the faith to know that God was walking with me. And well, I just had this feeling that you mm-hmm. you knew how relevant what you just told us was, yeah. that uh, I was interested to know if you rem- remembered that moment in your story, and uh, yeah. obviously you do. Yeah, well, there are, there are moments. Yeah, uh, plural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now the next part of the journey, uh, and this is the one that I think uh, bothers people the most, uh, is the, the Jews, of course, get over into... Uh, the desert, basically, and uh, they're a they're a ragtag group. They've they've never been organized or self governed, and uh, they've been slaves. You know, all of them have known nothing uh, other than slavery, and so now they're over there and they're they're wondering, you know, what they're going to uh, uh, to eat, what they're going to you know do for water, and and uh, God, of course, provides as we know in the story, uh, manna from heaven, and and provides for their every need. Um, but the parallel to the uh, journey of recovery is that I think when we first start the journey uh, and we get it, we, we're going to go into uh, a, a, a place that is going to appear uh, desert-like. You know, we don't have uh, the resources uh, that we used to use uh, to medicate our feelings, to uh, you know, to get rid of emotions we did not we did not want to have. Uh, uh, we don't have all of these false idols that we're pursuing, um, and it's going to be. And one of the one of the words that's primarily used for this this first uh, period of time is the word chaos. Uh, if we've if we've taken away what has been normal and uh, the the way we've approached life and the way we've we've done things, now we're kind of in a uh, place where we. We don't, we don't know what normal is. We don't know uh, what the, the routine is supposed to be. And that's, that's certainly uh, the anxiety collectively, I think, that the Jewish people are uh, experiencing in the story. Uh, and they get, they get absolutely very frightened because when Moses goes off to commune with God and eventually receive the Ten Commandments, you know, what do they even want to do at that point? Um, they want to build a new false idol. Uh, which which they do uh, now this is the uh, part of the recovery journey for the average addict that really takes place according to the research in uh, the first year uh, the first year of our recovery there's going to be uh, I don't know how else to say it some desert like times when uh, there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of uncertainty uh, there's a lot of feelings and emotions that we're not used to experiencing. Uh, hopefully, sobriety is moving forward, and because we're getting more sober, we're allowing ourselves to to feel things like we just talked about, and uh, that can be a time of uh, 
you know, highs and lows. We, we sometimes describe this period of time uh, as a uh, kind of like a roller coaster ride. It's uh, got its ups and its downs. There will be moments of great joy. Uh, there will be moments of uh, great uh, uh, anger or sadness or desperation. And there, there's going to be a lot of times in this first um, part of the journey, the journey in the desert, where uh, we don't think we're making progress. I was just going to ask that. I'm sure that there's a stage there where you're uncertain that you're making progress. That's right. And so we we have to remember that we haven't uh, uh, seen the promised land. Uh, we, we don't know what it's like to be healthy. And uh, we're, uh, we're just um, going to have to, and this is what I want to talk about is, as we close for this, this very first stage of the journey. Um, uh, this is where I think we really need to depend on uh, community, uh, people that uh, have been on the journey ahead of us and maybe have, have seen uh, the promised land and uh, can, can describe it to us uh, and, and, and model it to us in terms of you know, the peaceful-like feelings that it brings to know what it's like to be there. Uh, but I can't emphasize enough that in this first stage of the journey, uh, in this chaotic, desert-like time, uh, we're going to need uh, a tremendous amount of community. Well, once again, you know, it's it's back to your um, reoccurring theme of the importance of accountability yeah. and, and community. Right. Uh, what I see... Uh, listening to you and, and trying to imagine that journey is what complicates it uh, for those that struggle with sexual purity is that this is not a singular journey by yourself when you're a, a married individual right. and you're trying to right. uh, find salvation for not only yourself personally, but salvation for your marriage. That's right. So uh, we all need companions on the journey. And for those of us that are married, uh, we, we talk about this uh, journey at the couples workshop that we do, and we definitely want to encourage the couples to know that uh, uh, they can, in fact, uh, be companions on this journey if they can see it uh, for what it is. You know, uh, it's not something where uh, the addict is going to all of a sudden get get healed, get well, and everything is better, and now they don't have to think about it anymore. Uh, I think one of the things we're trying to emphasize in this show is that this first period of time is probably going to last uh, up to a year, and it's not always going to feel that great during that year. It's going to be that roller coaster ride. If you are on this journey as a couple, um, uh, be of good faith and uh, support each other and uh, get get uh, uh, community for yourselves as a couple. I think that's, that's a huge thing as well. Well, I'm excited about this series, and although it may be a brief number of shows that will uh, mm -hmm. go into it, I think that the message uh, to be delivered is a powerful one. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and it's our pleasure to bring you the Men of Valor program. We thank Aaron Willman, our director of, uh, of technical issues. And uh, despite the fact that we had a brief one this morning, you didn't even break out into a sweat. You just handled it. We appreciate you greatly. Uh, we hope that today's message and that this series will be of great benefit to you. And as you go into this week, we pray that you'll have many blessings 
and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.